Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's some more information about today's ceremony. The governor-elect Cox hails from rural Fairview, Utah, and throughout the program, there will be special tributes that will highlight his journey from small-town boy to Utah's highest office. All of the musical selections that you hear today hold symbolic significance. For example, the national anthem will be performed by governor-elect Cox's alma maters virtually. And Lieutenant Governor-elect Deidre Henderson, well, her son Jimmy is a part of a musical group that put together a video that will follow her remarks. Also, Governor-elect, Governor-elect, Lieutenant Governor-elect Deidre Henderson's son, uh, Jimmy, he will be a part of that performance. And her inaugural address will be a historic moment as no previous Lieutenant Governor has ever provided an address before here in Utah. The Adjutant General of the Utah National Guard, Major General Michael J. Turley, will preside over the remainder of the program. So without further ado, let's listen in as the official proceedings begin. Please rise for the entrance of the official party. Ladies and gentlemen, the master of ceremonies for today's event, the Adjutant General of Utah, Major General Michael J. Turley. You're listening to our live coverage of the inauguration of Spencer Cox as Utah's 18th governor. I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Currently uh, down at the Tucson uh, Amphitheater down in southern Utah, they are just introducing uh, the official party and the guests as they enter. We'll go now live to uh, Major General Michael Turley. Governor-elect Cox and his wife, Abby, just entering the stage, taking their place uh, on the stage. Governor-elect Cox, Lieutenant Governor-elect Henderson, Governor Herbert, elected officials, residents of Utah. On behalf of the Inauguration Committee and the Utah National Guard, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the 2021 State of Utah Inauguration Ceremony. I am Major General Michael Turley, the Adjutant General for Utah, and I am privileged to serve as your Master of Ceremonies. Today, the Honorable Spencer J. Cox will take the oath of office and become the 18th Governor of the great state of Utah. In addition, Deidre M. Henderson will be sworn in as Lieutenant Governor, and the other constitutional officers will re-swear their oaths as they continue in their positions of public service.
To begin today's ceremony, the colors will be posted by a joint color guard of the Utah National Guard, followed by a video presentation of the national anthem by combined bands from the governor-elect's three Utah alma maters, Utah State University, Snow College, and North San Pete High School. The Pledge of Allegiance will then be led by Mr. Gregory Adiema. Following the national anthem and Pledge of Allegiance, the Most Reverend Oscar Solis of the Catholic Diocese of Salt Lake City will offer an invocation. You're listening to our live coverage of the inauguration of Spencer Cox as Utah's 18th governor. And currently uh, we are uh, having a presentation of the colors as this uh, inauguration ceremony begins in southern Utah. Presentation of the colors. As the Honor Guard begins to uh, bring the flag uh, of the state of Utah and the United States of America into Tuacon Amphitheater there in southern Utah in Ivins, uh, a small crowd, socially distanced, uh, is there in the theater as the uh, flag ceremony has begun. And uh, we expect uh, to hear uh, for the first time from the uh, lieutenant governor of the state of Utah in a Utah inauguration. Present arms. anthem being played at the inauguration of Spencer Cox as Utah's 18th governor. Uh, that was the bands from Snow College, Utah State University, and North San Pete High School. And Jared Adema will now uh, give the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America and to the Republic to which it stands, one nation under God indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Order. Post. 
As we continue our coverage of the inauguration of Spencer Cox, uh, next we will have uh, an invocation uh, offered today by the Most Reverend Oscar Solis, uh, Bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Salt Lake City. Uh, We'll soon be stepping uh, to the podium to offer that invocation as we are underway in southern Utah. Beautiful uh, winter day, uh, sunny day down in southern Utah today. It looks beautiful down there. Perfect day for an inauguration. Uh, Looks uh, great. Uh, A good crowd socially distanced there in the Tuacon Amphitheater as they uh, post the colors and as we prepare to uh, move fully ahead in this uh, inauguration of Spencer Cox and Deidre Henderson as the lieutenant governor of the state. And again, we will uh, soon have uh, an invocation uh, from uh, Bishop Solis, uh, who's just uh, a great, uh, great man and a great influence in our community here in Salt Lake City and throughout the state of Utah And uh, he'll be offering the invocation, which will be followed by the oath of office, uh, which will be administered by uh, Justice Paige Peterson uh, to uh, several of those that are in attendance there today. We now go uh, back to to southern Utah and uh, Bishop Oscar Solis, again, Bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Salt Lake City, uh, will now offer the invocation on the inauguration of Spencer J. Cox. Please bow down our heads in prayer. Almighty and sovereign God, we humbly praise, honor, and thank you for blessing us with this beautiful day. We recognize your loving presence in the grandeur of your creation and in the gifts of intelligence, creativity, and empathy you bestowed on us to help us become the person you created us. We invoke your kindness to hear our prayers for Honorable Spencer Cox, as the new governor of the people of Utah. Instill in him the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to apply the values and principles of your kingdom so that he may exercise the sacred trust of administering our state with great commitment to the commandment to love our neighbor. Give Governor-elect Cox his administration and all branches of government the ability to honor you by doing what is right, fair, and just for everyone, especially the poor, the hungry, and marginalized. Help him retain his humility to recognize and uphold the dignity of all the people in our state, irrespective of race, grandeur, ethnicity, ability, orientation, or religious faith. Guide him to develop policies that foster peace, justice, respect our basic rights and privileges, and enhance the developments of every person. Be with him, Lord, to lead us to new heights and prosperity in the good stewardship of the incredible natural beauty and resources that you have entrusted to us in every corner of this state. Heavenly Father, through your mighty work within us, you accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. In your kindness, bless and protect the governor, his family, and our elected leaders, and grant our prayer to you, our Creator, Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. That is the Most Reverend Oscar Solis, Bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Salt Lake City, uh, who has just offered the invocation on the inauguration ceremonies of Spencer Cox today. And we will Ladies and gentlemen, now, uh, it is now my the, privilege to introduce uh, the Honorable Paige, Office, Peterson, Paige Peterson, Justice of the Utah, uh, Supreme, of the Utah Court, Supreme Court, who will administer, will administer the oath of the office oath. to...
Treasurer David C. Damshin with Do- Jody Damshin, Auditor John Dougal with Sandy Dougal, Attorney General Sean D. Reyes with Sasha Reyes, and Lieutenant Governor-elect Deidre M. Henderson and Gabe Henderson and the Henderson's children. After the oaths are administered, Lieutenant Governor Henderson will provide her inaugural address, followed by a music video, or excuse me, a video music presentation by her son, Jimmy Henderson, and the Brigham Young University Young Ambassadors. Justice Peterson will then administer the oath, excuse me, Justice Peterson will then administer the oath to Governor-elect Spencer J. Cox. Justice Peterson. Just joining us, we are at the inauguration ceremonies in Southern Utah today, and the oath of office uh, will be given to David Damshin. Please raise your right hand. I state your name. I, David Damshin, having been elected to the office of treasurer, having been elected, having been elected to the office of treasurer, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, that I will support, obey, and defend that I will support, obey, and defend the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the United States, and the Constitution of this state, and the Constitution of this state, and that I will discharge the duties of my office, and I will discharge the duties of my office with fidelity. With fidelity. Congratulations. Thank you, Justice. John Dougal will now be sworn in as auditor for the state of Utah, and he will also be sworn in by Justice Paige Peterson. Will you raise your right hand? You've got it up. There you go. <laughs> Done it before. <laughs> I state your name. I, John Dougal. Having been elected to the office of auditor. Having been elected to the office of auditor. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support, obey, and defend. That I will support obey and defend the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the United States, and the Constitution of this state, and the Constitution of this state, and that I will discharge the duties of my office, and that I will discharge the duties of my office with fidelity, with fidelity. Congratulations. Attorney General Sean Reyes will take the oath of office, again, also administered by Justice Paige Peterson of the Utah Supreme Court. Will you raise your right hand? I state your name. I, Sean David Reyes. Having been elected to the office of Attorney General. Having been elected to the office of Attorney General. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support, obey, and defend. That I will support, obey, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of this state. And the Constitution of this state. And that I will discharge the duties of my office. And that I will discharge the duties of my office. With fidelity. With fidelity. Congratulations. John Ray has just been sworn in. And now... 
Deidre Henderson will be sworn in as the lieutenant governor for the state of Utah. <clears throat> She's accompanied by her children and her husband, Gabe. I state your name. I, Deidre M. Henderson. Having been elected to the office of Lieutenant Governor. Having been elected to the office of Lieutenant Governor. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support, obey, and defend. That I will support, obey, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of this state. And the Constitution of this state. And that I will discharge the duties of my office. And that I will discharge the duties of my office with fidelity. With fidelity. Congratulations. If you're just joining us, uh, we are covering the inauguration down in southern Utah today. Deidre Henderson has just been sworn in as lieutenant governor for the state of Utah. Uh, she was sworn in by Justice Paige Peterson of the Utah Supreme Court. And as the proceedings continue on, uh, the lieutenant governor, Henderson, will now give her inaugural address. First time a lieutenant governor has actually spoken at an inauguration here in the state of Utah. Governor Cox, Governor Herbert, legislators, justices, friends, and fellow Utahns. Just over 400 years ago, my 11th great-grandfather, William Bradford, fled religious persecution and joined a small group of people who set out looking for new opportunities, new freedoms, and a new home. They sailed through stormy seas, battered by winds, and cramped in tight living quarters until finally the Mayflower docked at Plymouth Rock. William Bradford became the second governor of Plymouth Colony. After a life of service and devotion, he wrote in the history of Plymouth Plantation that all great and honorable actions are accompanied with great difficulties that must be overcome with answerable courage. More than 150 years ago, another group of people fled religious persecution and crossed windswept plains, battered by the elements and wounded in heart and spirit. They also demonstrated answerable courage. My ancestors were some of the first to settle Spanish Fork. All these years later, my family and I live there, and there's nowhere we'd rather be. Like any noteworthy occasion, today is an opportunity to process this moment while both looking backward and forward in time. And that's especially true now, as we gather on the very day that Utah became a state 125 years ago. Those first leaders of our state demonstrated answerable courage when they risked the very statehood they sought by including women's rights in the state constitution. Article 4, Section 1 of the Utah Constitution was forward-thinking for its day. It reads, The rights of citizens of the state of Utah to vote and hold office shall not be denied or abridged on account of sex. Both male and female citizens of this state shall enjoy equally all civil, political, and religious rights and privileges. During the Utah Constitutional Convention in 1895, Franklin S. Richards said that the work done in Utah on behalf of women would be the purest and brightest ray of Utah's glorious star. With everything at stake, Utah's early leaders, armed with vision and answerable courage, acted boldly. 
I'm here today because of those bold actions and the pathways paved by women like Senator and Dr. Martha Hughes Cannon and Representative Alice Merrill Horn, who represented their constituents in the chambers of the Utah legislature decades before most women in America could vote, and of the all-female town council of Kanab, who in 1911 were elected as a joke, but nevertheless answered the call to serve their community, and former speaker of the Utah House of Representatives, Rebecca Lockhart, the first and so far only woman elected to that position. And of course, Utah's first female lieutenant governor and governor, Olene Walker. I'm also here because of men like Franklin S. Richards, who believed in the fundamental principle that women shall not be denied, and used his voice and position to insist that equality be included in our state constitution. And my husband, Gabe, whose support and encouragement have made possible my public service and Governor Spencer J. Cox, who asked me to join him and take our shared vision of service, respect, and abundant opportunity to all corners of this state. Utah has been a beacon to the nation for many years. Even through the difficulties of 2020, Utahns have shown answerable courage and done the heavy lifting required by a brutal pandemic. We're the best positioned state to come out of the current economic downturn. Thousands of our fellow Utahns have made the challenging pivot to new careers. Thousands more have stepped up to help their neighbors by donating to the Utah Food Bank. Our educators have adapted to be able to teach their students under the most trying conditions. And our frontline health workers have been heroic in their care for the sickest among us. And that's just the start. But even with all of that, we still have work to do. The difficulties of the past year have exposed some of the inequalities that still exist in our communities. I want to assure all Utahns that there's room at the table for you. In fact, that promise already exists in our state's founding documents. Your place at the table shall not be denied. To fail in this would mean fundamentally falling short of the basic American promise in the words of Bobby Kennedy, we must recognize the full human equality of all our people before God, before the law, and in the councils of government. We must do this not because it is economically advantageous, although it is, not because the laws of God command it, although they do. We must do it for the single and fundamental reason that it is the right thing to do. We want your input, even when we may disagree. We know it takes courage to make your voice heard, and we hold ourselves answerable to you. We are committed to continually asking whose voice is missing. And I want to be clear about one thing. We don't need more women in the public sphere solely to provide expert opinions on women's issues. We don't need more people of color in the halls of government only to help us resolve issues related to minorities. And we don't need more rural Utahns serving in our administration simply to help the people in their hometowns. No, we need representation of all our voices so that we can solve the hard problems in front of us in the best way. We need more women, minorities, and rural Utahns speaking up about every aspect of how our state is run. There will be no token leadership at our table. Please join us and help us show the country what inclusive and compassionate leadership looks like. Join us to grow our economy and improve education, and join us to create more opportunity and an even better quality of life for every Utah in every part of our state.
In a statement to the Utah Constitutional Convention in 1895, Emmeline B. Wells said, every age has its rising and its setting sun. I believe that as Utah comes out of a difficult day, or more precisely, a long string of difficult days, we are now turning our faces to a rising sun. I'm confident that if we meet our day with answerable courage, we will win through to ultimate victory, even though winds and hardships may beset us. And if we remember to lift all Utahns in the process, marching forward as one Utah, we shall not be denied. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless the great state of Utah. Been listening to Deidre Henderson, Lieutenant Governor, has just been sworn in, gave her inaugural address. Uh, first time that a Lieutenant Governor has spoken at the uh, inauguration festivities here in the state of Utah in our 125-year uh, history as a state. Uh, a really powerful speech there by uh, Deidre Henderson as the Lieutenant Governor. Uh, we're now going to a special music tribute. Uh, this is by Brigham Young University's Young Ambassadors, uh, You Will Be Found. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? Again, if you're just joining us, we are covering live from Southern Utah the inauguration of Spencer J. Cox as the 18th governor of the state of Utah. Also had the swearing in of uh, David Damshin and uh, also uh, uh, the uh, Sean Reyes, our attorney general, uh, along uh, uh, with others that have been sworn in. Uh, to this point, uh, Deidre Henderson uh, just concluded her inaugural address as a lieutenant governor. Uh, and interesting, uh, she uh, went back to uh, the Mayflower, William Bradford, uh, who talked about uh, great difficulties and that those great difficulties needed to be responded with great answerable courage uh, was really the theme there for Deidre Henderson in her first speech as a lieutenant governor of the state of Utah. Uh, she talked about service and respect and uh, how there is a, a Utah way. She spoke of a rising sun uh, coming out of the uh, pandemic and, and many of the, uh, the challenges that the state and the country have faced. Uh, she also uh, was very particular in terms of, of raising uh, everyone's voice, that it wasn't just about adding women to, uh, to talk about women's issues or minorities or people of color to talk about minority issues or rural Utahns to talk about rural issues, but to bring all of those people together to talk about Utah issues and the issues of the people uh, of the state of Utah it was a, a masterful uh, delivery there by the new lieutenant governor. And uh, we're going to continue to uh, follow along as we go through. Again, this is happening uh, live down at Tuacon Amphitheater in southern Utah in Ivins. Uh, first time that the inauguration of a governor uh, has been uh, outside. Uh, we actually had one in Fillmore, I believe. It was uh, John Huntsman Jr. was sworn in in uh, Fillmore, the original state capital there. Uh, but this is the first time it's been down in southern Utah. 
following this uh, musical presentation, the oath of office will be administered to Spencer Cox. Will be uh, again administered by uh, Justice Paige Peterson of the Utah Supreme Court. She will administer that oath of office. And again, they're just in a uh, musical tribute right now, coming from from BYU, uh, from uh, the young ambassadors there, singing "You Will Be Found." And uh, it's been a, a beautiful day down there in southern Utah. Uh, sun is shining. It is a, a very nice southern Utah kind of day down there. And it will be interesting to see the uh, role of the lieutenant governor. Again, the second woman to take uh, that position, uh, Deidre Henderson. Of course, Olin Walker was the first uh, who went on to become the governor uh, of the state of Utah. And uh, her role will be uh, very interesting to see uh, what Lieutenant Governor Henderson uh, does in that role. It's, uh, it's a role that, of course, oversees the elections of the state of Utah. Uh, has a lot to do with interacting uh, with the legislature, uh, which will, uh, of course, be familiar to Lieutenant Governor Henderson as she's been a member of the Utah State Senate. And uh, she knows the, uh, the grounds and the ground rules really well there. So I think she'll be a, an important uh, liaison between the governor's office uh, and the legislature on a host of issues, uh, including uh, budgets coming up and a legislative session uh, coming up very soon. Again, if you're just joining us, I'm Boyd Matheson, uh, host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We are covering the inauguration of Spencer J. Cox as Utah's 18th governor. And at this point, uh, he is now stepping forward with his wife, Abby, and his children. And uh, Justice uh, Paige Peterson of the Utah Supreme Court will now administer the oath of office. I state your name. I, Spencer J. Cox. Having been elected to the office of governor. Having been elected to the office of governor. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support, obey, and defend. That I will support, obey, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of this state. And the Constitution of this state. And that I will discharge the duties of my office. And that I will discharge the duties of my office. With fidelity. With fidelity. Congratulations. Spencer J. Cox has just been sworn in as the 18th governor of the state of Utah. He is on the stage there in the Tuacon Amphitheater in southern Utah in Ivins. Uh, He has just taken that oath of office. And uh, he's standing on the stage with his wife and children. Again, it's a, uh, a small crowd, a socially distanced crowd. And uh, currently they're going to go to a uh, 19-gun salute uh, by the 2nd Battalion and the uh, 222nd Field Artillery. That will be followed uh, by two, uh, the 2 211th General Support Aviation Battalion, which will do a flyover uh, over the amphitheater there. And uh, as the uh, 19-gun salute uh, continues on, uh, we'll just do a, little, a quick recap. Again, if you're just joining us, uh, we're going wall-to-wall here on Inside Sources today, the entire hour, on the inauguration of Spencer Cox as Utah's 18th governor. Again, uh, first time that it's been down in southern Utah that we've had an inauguration there. It's a beautiful day down in southern Utah. This may become a regular thing uh, if the weather holds like this. Uh, much better than a cold, snowy day. Uh, up here in uh, Salt Lake City. <clears throat> it's also important to note that uh, once they finish the inauguration here, that uh, they will start working their way north, stopping at uh, several towns along the way. Uh, really a nod to Utah's rural communities. 
And, uh, again, uh, we're just watching here live, if you're just joining us. Uh, Spencer Cox has just taken the oath of office. He is now officially Utah's 18th governor. Uh, they've had a 19-gun uh, salute by the 2nd Battalion, 222nd Field Artillery Unit, and uh, now are just waiting for a flyover to take place. Uh, and this is just spectacular uh, with those red rocks in the background, that beautiful uh, Tuacon Theater. And uh, what a what a beautiful setting for an inauguration day uh, here in the state. of This is Utah at its best right here, <clears throat> looking, uh, looking on. Uh, we'll watch this uh, flyover take place following the flyover. Uh, we will have a uh, a version of America the Beautiful by the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. And then we will have the official inaugural address of Spencer J. Cox as governor. Flyover taking place uh, right now over those beautiful red rocks in southern Utah uh, across the Tuacon Amphitheater uh, where uh, the governor, Governor Cox, is uh, standing with his family and a few select folks that are in the audience today, again, very small, socially distanced uh, crowd there for the inauguration ceremonies. Uh, it's been just a, a great day. And uh, some great words already have been delivered uh, by the new lieutenant governor, Deidre Henderson, as she talked about uh, the concept of answerable courage, uh, really a, a call <clears throat> for all of us, for all Utahns, uh, to step up and to, to do just a little bit more uh, flyover has taken place there above the amphitheater and now to the Tabernacle Choir uh, at Temple Square uh, singing America the Beautiful. Just joining us, uh, this is Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Uh, on a special edition of Inside Sources today, uh, we are covering the inauguration of Spencer J. Cox as Utah's 18th governor. Uh, currently, uh, he has just taken the oath of office to become the 18th governor of the state, and the Tabernacle Choir and Orchestra at Temple Square are. Uh, having a video uh, pre-recorded of America the Beautiful. Uh, very fitting on a very Chamber of Commerce day in southern Utah today. Beautiful sunshine and red rocks, uh, just really the perfect setting uh, for this. Following uh, this 
number from the Tabernacle Choir. Uh, we will hear the inaugural address from Spencer J. Cox. So, again, we're going to continue with this uh, throughout the remainder of the hour here on KSL News Radio. Uh, again, I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News and host of KSL's Inside Sources. And we're covering the inauguration of Spencer Cox, uh, it's governor of the state of Utah, and the lieutenant governor, uh, Deidre Henderson, uh, who spoke uh, earlier after she was sworn in. Uh, first time that we've actually had a lieutenant governor speak at an inauguration ceremony, that, which was an interesting uh, thing to note. Uh, and she did not waste her chance. She met the moment uh, very well in a an incredibly well-crafted speech and well-delivered speech, uh, probably the best I've seen the lieutenant governor uh, give. She spoke of uh, her heritage. She spoke of William Bradford uh, and the idea that great difficulties needed to be met with great answerable courage. Uh, she went on to talk about those that settled uh, the state of Utah and how they, too, had that answerable courage uh, to do hard things and uh, to move the state forward. Uh, also, she uh, spoke as she wrapped up uh, her initial address, uh, talking about the, the rising and setting suns that each generation seems to get and uh, that clearly, coming out of the pandemic, Utah is well-positioned uh, to be a rising sun uh, and to... Uh, face new opportunities to meet new challenges uh, and to be ready for the days ahead. Uh, These are great days uh, in a state and in a country. I think inaugurations matter. I think they have important meaning. They send signals uh, in terms of new administrations and what their goals may be uh, and how they will choose to govern. This is clearly an administration who is going to be inclusive uh, in uh, ways that I think will be new and innovative. I think they will be inclusive in terms of uh, respect and trying to change the conversations as it relates to our political discourse in the state of Utah, uh, which will all be uh, welcome things to be sure. Uh, We're just finishing up a uh, a musical tribute from the Tabernacle Choir, America the Beautiful. And uh, as that wraps up, uh, we will now be uh, pleased to hear from Michael Turley, who's the Major General and the uh, Master of Ceremonies. Governor of the great state of Utah, Spencer J. Cox. General Turley has just introduced uh, the new governor of the state of Utah as he steps to the microphone for the first time as Utah's governor to deliver what I think is an important and a historic inaugural address, setting the tone for how Utah will move forward post-pandemic. Uh, and into a host of uh, future opportunities and challenges. In 1849, an early explorer, Parley P. Pratt, wrote that as they first arrived in what would become Washington County, they passed over a rugged, stony, sandy, almost indescribable country, thrown together in dreadful confusion. The area showed no signs of water or, for, or fertility. A wide expanse of chaotic matter presented itself, with huge hills, sandy deserts, cheerless, grassless plains, perpendicular rocks, loose barren clay, dissolving beds of sandstone, lying in inconceivable confusion. In short, he continued, a country in ruins, dissolved by the pelting of storms and turned inside out upside down by terrible convulsions of some former age. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Washington County. (laughs) 
Governor and Mrs. Herbert, legislators and other constitutional officials, members of the Supreme Court, distinguished guests, family, friends, Lieutenant Governor and Gabe Henderson, First Lady, Abby, Gavin, Caleb, Adam, and Emma Kate, my fellow Utahns, thank you for joining us today at this special place on this special day. Abby and I are forever grateful for your kindness and support, and we are humbled by the responsibilities that lie ahead. Those same words spoken by Parley Pratt, used to describe Washington County, could also be used to describe the year 2020. Indescribable, dreadful confusion, a wide expanse of chaotic matter, cheerless, inconceivable, turned inside out and upside down. And if I'm being honest, um, we probably all feel a little tired. Lady Liberty has been holding that torch for so long, and sometimes it feels like her hands and ours hang down. But over the course of this past year, we've learned some valuable lessons. With a global pandemic raging, we have learned that our people are smarter than we ever could have imagined as scientists, chemists, and medical professionals developed and mastered new technologies to create multiple life-saving vaccines in record time. And yet, at a time when we have more knowledge at our fingertips than any generation in history, we have somehow become more susceptible to disinformation conspiracy theories, and lies, as too often we all struggle to find accurate sources of truth and unbiased information. We have learned that we are stronger and more resilient than we ever imagined as individuals, communities, industries, and countries have found ways to adapt and innovate through impossible circumstances to restore critical supply chains and keep businesses open and friends and families safe and employed. And yet, we have also seen real weaknesses as too many people have lost their lives and livelihoods, and too many of our most vulnerable communities, including our Native American, Black, Latino, and Pacific Islander friends, have been disproportionately impacted by this virus and continued racial inequalities. This year, we have learned that we are kinder and more giving than we ever thought possible, as Utahns do what we always do, donating millions in food and relief, including, as of this morning, over one million meals for our One Utah Food Drive, supporting farmers feeding Utah, sewing six million masks and gowns, and neighbors helping neighbors fix uprooted trees and damaged homes after unprecedented earthquakes and hurricane-force winds. And yet, we have sadly realized that we are far more divided than at any time in our lifetimes as the news is filled with civil unrest and protest, including one right outside this venue today. Hateful rhetoric dominates our political discourse. We are facing a crisis of empathy, a scourge of contempt. Very little feels united about the United States today. Indeed, it appears that men's and women's hearts are failing them. 
Now, let me be clear. Conflict and passionate debate around ideas can and is healthy. But contempt and contention will rot the souls of our nation and her people. And this division isn't just ugly or unfortunate, it is dangerous. As one expert recently warned, there is a very good chance that in the next 30 years, we will have a catastrophic failure of our democracy. The reason? We just don't know, he observed, what a democracy looks like when you drain all the trust out of the system. But there is good news. It's not too late to fix this. And Utah is the perfect place to make that happen. Judge Thomas Griffith has given us the formula. If the Constitution of the United States as we know it is to survive, he wrote, then we must inculcate the virtue of civic charity. We must seek to understand one another, to treat each other not as enemies but as friends, and to secure justice for all without demonizing and ostracizing those with whom we disagree. Indeed, this is the only way it has ever been done, and it is distinctly American. As another expert has noted, the heroes of America are heroes of unity. He goes on to say that our political system is designed for vigorous disagreement. It is not designed for irreconcilable contempt. Such contempt loosens the ties of citizenship and undermines the idea of patriotism. This is a theme that echoes through time, taught by America's greatest leaders. Listen to the words of Thomas Jefferson. Let us then, fellow citizens, unite with one heart and one mind. Let us restore to social intercourse that harmony and affection without which liberty and even life itself are but dreary things. Listen to the famous words of Abraham Lincoln. We are not enemies but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. And listen to the words of Martin Luther King Jr., the words of the text to love our enemies glitter in our eyes with a new urgency. Far from being the pious injunction of a utopian dreamer, this command is an absolute necessity for the survival of our civilization. Yes, it is love that will save our world and our civilization. Love even for our enemies. Now, let us return to where we began and where we find ourselves today, right here in Washington County. A few generations after Parley P. Pratt's initial scouting report, a young man named Orville Hafen was born in this same valley. After moving away to get his education, he came back here to what was then a small community of less than 8,000 residents without a single paved road in the entire county. And he recorded many of the same frustrations as his predecessors. St. George doesn't figure much in the world's progress, he wrote. It is insignificant. And in so many ways, so is all that we do here. The town seems so sleepy. There seem to be so few opportunities for people to make the money they need to keep up with the times. There is a temptation to feel like one should chuck it all and move to Salt Lake or some section where there are more opportunities. 
But not willing to give up, he continued, I knew a man could make a better contribution in his own town than he could anywhere else. With hands hanging down, he turned his gaze upward, and he let himself dream. With very little money in his hometown and even less water, in the middle of the Great Depression, no less, he wrote this. I can't get away from the feeling that the destiny of this place lies in her climate and scenery, and that my mission is to help bring this about. We seem destined to undergo quite a change, he said. Instead of the isolated little farms and cattle ranches, we may be in the midst of a recreational center, which will entirely change our attitudes, our outlook, our associations, and our opportunities. His dreams were so big that at times even he struggled to believe them. I don't dare confess to mom what wild ideas are going through my mind, he wrote. In fact, I hardly dare face them myself. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is entirely appropriate that today, in the first inauguration ceremony ever held outside of Salt Lake City, we find our feet firmly planted on ground purchased by Orville and his wife, Ruth Hafen. In another one of Orville's outrageously audacious dreams, they bought a small ranch on the exact same piece of land we stand on today, with a breathtaking view second to none, and yet, of course, without a single drop of water. The first time he saw this canyon, he wrote, I was awestruck. There before me lay a scene of indescribable beauty, wild, primitive, unspoiled, largely unknown, waiting to be enjoyed, waiting to inspire folks and bring them near to their God. Years later, Orville Hafen would pass away from a heart attack while digging a trench to the same site we gather on today, which I can proudly report now has definitely, definitely has running water. You see, great achievements that seem inevitable in retrospect rarely feel that way when the work begins. Never forget that one person can describe a piece of land as a country in ruins, cheerless, turned inside out and upside down, while another sees that exact same place as a scene of indescribable beauty waiting to be enjoyed. More importantly, the very thing that has made this land so beautiful over the millions of years of its history has largely come from those harsh, often unexpected moments in time when ferocious rains beat down or hurricane-force winds blow and the earth shakes. I promise, ladies and gentlemen, that our children and our children's children will learn about this moment in our history when the earth is both literally and figuratively shaken beneath our feet. My fellow Utahns, our moment... Our rendezvous with destiny has arrived. It is time that we rise to that challenge. At times, our hands may hang down and our hearts may fail us. But even when we feel tired, we must never give up. In Utah, we never give up. It's our turn to write the next chapter of Utah's history and prove that, yes, 
Indeed, our greatest days still lie ahead. I come to you from the smallest of small towns and the humblest of circumstances. In taking a sacred oath today, my family and I pledge our hearts and our hands to you these next four years. We will succeed together as one Utah. Let's go. You've been listening to the inaugural address of Spencer J. Cox, Utah's 18th governor. He's just taken the oath of office and delivered his inaugural address at the Tuacon Amphitheater in Ivins, Utah. Uh, first time uh, an inauguration has taken place in southern Utah. Uh, in the audience uh, were former governors Michael Levitt, John Huntsman Jr., and uh, Gary Herbert, of course, uh, his predecessor. And uh, they've just concluded uh, that speech. Uh, he's at the front of the stage. And uh, we go back now to General Michael Turley. Thank you, Governor Cox, and congratulations. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your attendance at this historic event and for your support for our beautiful state and its people. Following the closing number, the benediction will be offered by Elder Ronald A. Rasband of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This evening, please join Utahns around the state for the 125th anniversary of statehood television special to be aired at 6.30 p.m. on local television stations, followed by simultaneous fireworks shows in all 29 of Utah's counties, beginning at 7.30 p.m. This final song is a special request from our newly sworn-in governor. It's not just a favorite melody of a farm boy from Fairview. It is also a fitting tribute to a man who has turned his life homeward in service to community, state, and country. The performance is dedicated to those loved ones who have lifted him up and walked alongside him on his path. Performing Homeward Bound, please welcome David Archuleta, Nathan Pacheco, Kendra Lowe, and Nicole Pinnell to the stage, and the Luke's Choral Society performing virtually. Free to find my 
to the inauguration of Spencer J. Cox as Utah's 18th governor. The inauguration ceremony is taking place in Tuacon Amphitheater in southern Utah. They're just drawing to a close. The benediction for the inaugural proceedings will be offered now by Elder Ronald A. Rasband, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ 
of Latter-day Saints. God, dear Father of us all, we conclude this inaugural ceremony giving thanks unto thee for the beauty and richness of this state as exemplified in the magnificent vistas surrounding us today. We are reminded by this inauguration of the privilege and joy we have of liberty and freedom. Bless us to never forget and always treasure our Constitution and those who for many generations have upheld it and protected its principles for us. Our hearts and minds are full of excitement and anticipation as we support and uphold our new governor, Spencer James Cox, and Lieutenant Governor Deidre M. Henderson. Bless them with great wisdom, integrity, and courage to face the future with certainty and strength. Bless them with kind hearts and firm resolve to face the many challenges before them. Grant them an extra measure of compassion and understanding to lead them to especially care for the children and underprivileged of our state. We pray Thou wilt bless their spouses, Abby and Gabe, and their families in every needful way. Further, Dear Father, we acknowledge that we live in a time of serious challenges and complexities in our state. We pray that Thou wilt bless all our elected officials and their staffs to meet the challenges and added blessings from Thy presence. Now, with deep respect and recognition of all faiths and all citizens, we commit our prayer and this inaugural service to Thee as we ask for thy divine guidance and blessing in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the inauguration of Spencer J. Cox as the 18th governor of the state of Utah, along with Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson, uh, taking place in southern Utah, the Tuacon Amphitheater. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News and host of KSL's News Radio's Inside Sources. It's been great to be with you for this special inauguration coverage today, and we encourage you to stay tuned to KSL News Radio throughout the day for more feedback and uh, analysis from today's inauguration of Spencer J. Cox. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.